Nutrition Bites, the no-nonsense podcast where you get the truth about food so you can eat what you want and be healthy. I'm your host, Maggie, and welcome to episode 15 of this series. Autumn is in full swing, which means the days are getting darker and I'm in desperate need of an extra kick during the morning. The solution to my fall fatigue is a bonus cup of coffee, which got me thinking, how much do we really know about that energizing little molecule found in our daily brew? And how does it affect our health? On the menu today, caffeine. going on a Starbucks run was like a rite of passage because drinking coffee was cool. And despite how baby-faced we looked, holding a branded cup as you entered class was like an instant symbol of adulthood. And if double cream and triple sugar coffee wasn't your thing, you could still prove your maturity by crushing a can of Monster Energy drink in the parking lot during lunch. Teenagers are weird. In university, caffeine was a staple during morning lectures and also late-night escapades in the form of vodka Red Bulls and Jaeger bombs. In the workplace, coffee breaks have become a cherished ritual. Less for the drink and more for the hot gossip. Caffeine has even found its way into the fitness world in the form of pre-workout supplements. Safe to say that throughout our lives and routines, caffeine is all around us. And we freaking love it. It's the world's most popular drug. Over 80% of North American adults consume caffeine every day, and countries in Northern Europe hold the record for the highest coffee consumption per capita. But for something so widely ingested, we don't talk about it enough. So let's dig in. Caffeine is a psychoactive drug, which puts it in the same family as alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, heroin, and LSD. Off to a pretty fun start. Psychoactive drugs are substances that alter your perception, mood, and cognition by affecting the nervous system. Caffeine works to speed up the central nervous system, which consists of the brain and spinal cord. On a deeper physiological level, the caffeine molecule works by temporarily blocking the effects of a neurotransmitter called adenosine. Neurotransmitters are chemicals in the body that cause reactions by binding to receptors on cells in the nervous system. Each neurotransmitter is uniquely shaped to fit into a particular receptor, just like how you have keys that are made to fit into a specific lock. When adenosine binds to its receptor, its effect is to slow down the nervous system, making the body feel relaxed and sleepy. Caffeine has a similar shape to adenosine, almost like an identical key, so it can fit into the same receptor, or lock, and block adenosine from binding. This means that those sleepy and relaxed feelings are temporarily blocked. Pretty sneaky, huh? Caffeine affects another neurotransmitter called dopamine, also known as the feel-good chemical. In a similar but less intense mechanism as heroin, caffeine maintains elevated levels of dopamine in our system, which keeps us feeling good for longer. This also acts to fuel our desire for another hit. Caffeine also triggers the release of adrenaline, a hormone that makes us feel awake and alert. So no wonder we love this drug. By blocking adenosine, we feel less sleepy. By increasing dopamine, we feel good. And by boosting adrenaline, we feel energized. And one of the best parts is that we can begin to feel these effects within minutes. Talk about bang for your buck. After about 45 minutes, your blood will contain the max concentration of caffeine and slowly decrease from there on out. 
Its half-life, which is a term used to describe the amount of time it takes for a quantity to be reduced by half, is about 5 hours. So if you drink a cup of tea at 8am, half the amount of caffeine will still be in your system by 1 in the afternoon. Generally speaking, it takes your body roughly 9 hours to clear all the caffeine out of your system. So if you want a good night's sleep, keep your brew to the morning. Now I realize that all this talk about neurotransmitters, blood concentration, and half-life makes caffeine sound like something that should be prescribed by a doctor. But caffeine has been widely studied, and moderate amounts will rarely harm a healthy adult. But what does moderate mean exactly? Up to 400 milligrams per day is the moderate amount of caffeine for a healthy adult. To put that into more practical terms, that's about 3-4 to four cups of coffee. Depending on the bean and type of brew, a cup contains around 100 milligrams. And when I say cup, I mean a real 237 milliliter cup, not a Starbucks Fenty. Those are insane. Other popular sources of caffeine include tea and pop. A cup of black tea or can of Diet Coke contains about half the amount of caffeine as a cup of coffee. And a mug of green tea or a can of regular Coke is even less, around 30 milligrams. Caffeine also naturally occurs in cocoa beans, which means that chocolate, in particular dark chocolate, is a natural source. A standard 100-gram bar of dark chocolate, which is the size of a lint bar, usually contains around 80 milligrams of caffeine. And because milk chocolate contains less cocoa beans, it will have significantly less, around 20 milligrams. So to reach this moderate caffeine limit of 400 milligrams, you would have to drink 3-4 to cups of coffee, or 8 cups of black tea, or 13 cans of regular Coke, or my favorite, 5 bars of dark chocolate. So unless you're at a speed drinking tea ceremony or on a tour of the Willy Wonka factory, that's a lot to take in. But there are also plenty of sources of added caffeine that make reaching that 400 milligram limit a hell of a lot easier. Energy drinks are a popular beverage amongst teenage boys who want to seem hardcore and also chronically fatigued millennials and night shift workers. Your average tall can of Monster Energy or Rockstar contains around 160 milligrams of caffeine, equivalent to about one and a half cups of coffee. And the smaller Red Bull can can sit around 80 milligrams. But there are so many varieties of these drinks, many with ridiculous names like Thermo Neon Blast or Punch Monster Chaotic. Chaotic spelled with a K obviously. And the caffeine content varies widely, with some drinks containing up to 250 milligrams per can. And those five-hour energy shots that they sell at a gas station also pack a mean punch for their size, with each tiny bottle containing around a 200 milligram dose. Added caffeine has also infiltrated the health and wellness world. Many pre-workout powders, or I don't have time to eat my veggie green supplements, contain caffeine, especially if they are labeled with words like energy or boost. Caffeine also comes in pills, gummies, gels, and chewing gums, most often marketed towards athletes, but also used by stressed-out students like Jesse from Saved by the Bell. The quantity of these supplements can range from a low dose of 20 milligrams to extremely high doses of over 400, which makes these products an easy route for overconsumption. And what exactly happens if you do go beyond that moderate intake level? Fortunately, for most healthy adults, going slightly beyond 400 milligrams results in more of an unpleasant experience rather than a deadly choice. Think upset stomach, fast heart rate, shaky hands, and a headache. But larger doses, especially by people who don't normally consume caffeine and children, can cause convulsions, elevated heartbeat, and even delirium. 
Toxic effects like seizures can occur at around 1,200 milligrams of caffeine and death at over 5,000. Now, those ranges are extremely difficult to hit when consuming natural sources, but it can be a much easier mistake for those who consume added sources of caffeine. Just this past year, a personal trainer in the UK died after drinking a mislabeled pre-workout beverage that contained 200 times the safe level of caffeine. And dozens of teenage and young adults have also died from energy drinks, mostly because the high caffeine worsened previously undetected heart problems. Because of the increasing popularity and known risks of these beverages in youth, the UK recently banned sales of energy drinks to anyone under the age of 16. But considering how often we consume caffeine, death by this drug is still extremely rare in healthy adults. But there are plenty of negative effects that I'm sure you're familiar with. The five-hour half-life of caffeine I mentioned earlier makes it a well-known sleep disturber. And while it doesn't cause anxiety, caffeine absolutely worsens symptoms. That's because it stimulates the fight-or-flight response in your body, and this can heighten an anxious reaction. High caffeine consumption can also increase the risk of miscarriage during pregnancy and lower the birth rate of a baby. This molecule also slightly reduces calcium absorption, which can be a problem for postmenopausal women or others at risk of osteoporosis. And remember, caffeine is a drug, which means that we can become dependent on it and experience withdrawal if we stop our daily dose. Symptoms like irritability, headaches, depression, and fatigue are all common for the first few days after you stop. But fortunately, it doesn't last very long. Considering all this, it makes you wonder why they focused our anti-drug education on crack cocaine, which I've never been offered, and not caffeine, which I'm surrounded by every day. And maybe the reason is that, despite the negative effects that caffeine can have, consuming moderate amounts does come with some benefits. As I'm sure many of you have experienced, caffeine assists with cognitive performance. Fancy words for making our brain work good, you know? It's been proven to help us stay awake and alert and improve our attention and reaction time, especially when we're tired. But while it does keep us on task, so to speak, caffeine does not help with judgment or decision-making. So while a morning tea can help you be alert enough for your drive to work or important business presentation, it won't necessarily reduce your risk of a fender bender or Freudian slip. The real solution for that is more sleep, but that's a much harder nut to crack. Now, for those pro athletes, or those who play rec sports but think they're pro athletes, caffeine is known as a safe and recommended aid to help improve athletic performance. The International Society of Sports Nutrition states that athletes who perform endurance activities, things like distance running, cycling, or swimming, benefit the most from caffeine, especially when it's ingested about an hour before exercise. The optimal dose is based on body weight and tolerance, but for a 150 pound or 70 kilo person, a caffeine hit between 200 and 400 milligrams is ideal. Many pro athletes use energy gels or caffeine chewing gum to get their pre-performance dose, but the more popular exercise aid, especially among the common folk, is the pre-workout supplement. And I must say, the effects of a pre-workout caffeine, whether from a supplement or espresso, is enticing. Not only do you experience a boost of energy, but caffeine also helps reduce the perception of fatigue, effort, and exhaustion. In other words, you can perform a chest press for longer and more intensely before feeling the need to abruptly stop and loudly drop the weights with an exasperated grunt. While this may sound like a pretty ideal addition to your gym routine, 
you should be extremely careful with any supplement you buy. This industry is not well regulated, and so the caffeine content in these pre-workout powders, beverages, and chews can be well above that moderate intake level. This is also true for those green powders that are becoming a popular add-on for people's diets. Because the regulations for these products are so poor, companies don't have to label caffeine clearly, making it difficult for you to know how much you are actually taking in. You often have to look under medicinal ingredients for the content and source of caffeine, which is often listed as green tea or matcha extract. And don't be fooled by the natural sounding name. It's just caffeine disguised as a holistic sounding phrase. When talking about caffeine overall, an important thing to consider is your own individual sensitivity. Some people get jittery after one cup of green tea, while others proudly own coffee addicts paraphernalia. Factors such as age, weight, sex, and genetics all impact how much and how quickly caffeine can affect you. So that 400 milligram moderate intake level I spoke of earlier may be far too much for your system. Even what you eat right before ingesting caffeine can be important. Food and fiber slow down the absorption of caffeine, which means you'll feel the effects faster if you consume it on an empty stomach. Smoking cigarettes speeds up the breakdown of caffeine, so the effects don't last as long, while pregnancy and oral contraceptives like the birth control pill slow down this process, making caffeine last longer in your system. Your caffeine tolerance is another impactful detail. Just like with many drugs, regular intake can increase your tolerance, making it more difficult to feel the positive effects unless a higher amount is consumed. A twisted game where one cup of coffee quickly becomes two until it becomes three and then all of a sudden you've bought a $500 espresso maker and can't recall what water tastes like. And the best way to beat this dependency is not to consume caffeine every day, but easier said than done when a coffee shop can be found in quite literally every neighborhood. Regular consumption of caffeine is a shared global experience. It provides comfort in unfamiliar places, a ways to connect with friends, and helps keep us awake during trying times. And for all intents and purposes, it's not something to be particularly worried about if you are consuming a few cups of coffee or tea every day and are generally healthy. Where you really need to be mindful is with added sources of caffeine, like energy drinks and exercise supplements. Because while being wired may feel exciting in the moment, moderation will always feel better in the long run. That's been the bite for today. Stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Bites. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast and share with a friend. If you want to get in touch with me, please follow me on Instagram at Nutrition Bites Podcast. Have a great week.